Well, this morning we have two texts we're going to look at, and these are texts that from the earliest days of Christian records, we have uh, these two texts paired together, and yet uh, sometimes uh, we don't see that connection. So anyway, we're going to look at a passage from Genesis and then a passage out of the Gospel of Mark. Let's be standing, please, for this, the reading of the Word of God. In the beginning... God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness He called night, and there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. Now from Mark chapter 1. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. As Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove, and a voice Came from heaven. You are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. The Word of God. Okay, this is my phone. It's not the latest version. It's kind of looking small these days. A lot of you guys are carrying the great big ones. But it's still an amazing device. The other day I was just thinking, what did I do before I had this thing? You know, uh, another thing that always comes to my mind, uh, people that used to read Dick Tracy, do you remember when he had a two-way TV stuck on his wrist? I can remember reading that in the funny papers thinking that will never happen. <laughs> and there it is. But this thing does so much. I mean, certainly you can talk on it uh, to people. You can send them messages on it. Uh, you can uh, look up anything you want to know. Uh, a lot of times when I'm watching football games, I'll think, where did that quarterback play college ball? Or where did he grow up? What high school? You know, is he from Texas? It seems like a lot of them are from Texas these days. Well, in you know, less than a minute, I have that answer. Boom, there it is. Anything I want to know, I can just look it up. So, so much that this does. My calendar's on it. It'll even prompt me when uh, I've told it to remind me of something. There it is. It says, go do this. And I say, okay. So it's just great. But let me tell you what the greatest thing this thing does. With this small device, I can show you pictures of my grandchildren. (laughs) And I will be available after services if, if any of you want to see. It's just great to have in your pocket or in your purse, on your person, all the time, all these wonderful pictures. Ron, I just got a text message. Okay. (laughs) Good to see you, Ron. Okay. (laughs) Now it's going to keep buzzing. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Now, I don't know, though, if there's one set of pictures you have on your phone. Perhaps you do, but probably most of us don't. I don't know if you have any pictures of a baptism. Now, perhaps you do. 
If uh, just recently someone that you love and know has been baptized, you may have taken a picture of that baptism. But I want us to look at some pictures. We all carry pictures of baptism in our mind. Uh, You can't be around church for long without at least watching a baptism and hopefully having experienced your own baptism. So today I wanted to begin by just looking at some pictures to see if these pictures kind of match up with your pictures of baptism. Most baptisms that we see these days occur in a setting somewhat like that or here at our baptistry. We're in a church building, got a nice pool of water that's heated, got pretty white robes to put on, and that's a wonderful setting for a baptism. So when we think of baptism, a lot of times that's the picture that may come to mind. Or perhaps a river. Uh, I know back in the old Camp Victory days, uh, we used to baptize a lot of the kids in the Medina River. Now it's in the Nueces River, isn't it? And so I've got a lot of pictures in my mind of uh, young people walking down into that water and being baptized. Uh, Also have in my mind the picture of this river. This is the Jordan River. And like most things, they've kind of commercialized it. Uh, You have to pay a little fee now to baptize somebody in the Jordan River, uh, if you go to this particular place anyway. Uh, And I got to do that. We were traveling over there, and there was one lady in our group that had not been baptized, and she wanted to be baptized, and thought, wow, the Jordan River, what better place to be baptized than the Jordan River? So we went down into this place right there and baptized her, and I remember just the overwhelming emotions of baptizing in the river that I had read and heard so much about. I also remember that that river has some little fish in it, that nibble at your toes the whole time that you're in there. Uh, That's not mentioned in the Bible, but it's true. They're there. Now, some of your memories or pictures of baptism may involve swimming pools. Uh, These days, that's a very convenient place, and uh, it, it works very well. And so when you have a picture of a baptism that you call up in your mind, it perhaps may be in a swimming pool. In mission areas, a lot of times it's hard to find a baptistry or even a swimming pool. And so you kind of make do either with a child's swimming pool or some kind of a tub and you fill it up and uh, people gather around and there you have your baptism. Found one more picture I thought was really interesting. This is obviously either in Iraq, Afghanistan, and uh, they have made do with a front end loader and fill that thing up with water. And I wasn't there when this picture was made, but you can just sense the emotions that would be going on with this young man uh, in an area of such danger uh, in such a, a, a very intense time in his life, giving his life to Christ and symbolizing it uh, through that baptism there uh, in that front end loader. Now, There are other pictures that we could show, but I want us to look at now some pictures that are in our Bibles about baptism. Now, I don't know if your Bible has pictures as we normally think of pictures in it, but all your Bibles do have pictures. They're drawn with words. And so many times, the important things in the Bible 
are sketched out in very picturesque language. And when it comes to baptism, which is such a a central part of our commitment to Christ, it's such a turning point in our life, it can mean so many things, and it is so big that it's hard just to capture it in words, that the words that are chosen are picture words. That uh, the, the, the writers of Scripture uh, draw pictures for us and say, think of baptism like this. For example, one picture that is drawn is the picture of washing or even taking a bath. Now, stop and think about how that picture of baptism is so meaningful to us. You can remember times in your life when you just have been out working, you are so dirty. And how wonderful it is to go in and start washing up and to get all that dirt and that grime and that stench and, you know, everything off your body. Or perhaps if it's cold outside and you've been out in the cold, you go in and draw a wonderful warm bath and just sort of sink down into that water and how refreshing that is and how wonderful it feels. Or here in West Texas, more often, you may have been out working in the the hot, uh, the heat of the day and go in and draw water that's a little cooler and then you just sink into it and you're refreshed and you're made clean again. And when you get out of the bathtub or out of the shower, you just feel so invigorated and ready to go and kind of a new lease on life. Well, The Bible encourages us to think of baptism in those terms. Whenever Ananias went to see a very penitent Saul who was about to become the Apostle Paul, and he was wondering what he should do, Ananias says, well, arise, be baptized, and have your sins washed away, calling on his name, on the name of Jesus. And so the Bible encourages us to have that picture in mind of baptism. How that just as whenever our bodies are dirty and need to be cleaned, that water will do that. Well, the waters of baptism are for our soul and for our guilt and for our shame. And that whenever we go down into those waters and emerge, then we have been washed. We have been refreshed. Another picture of baptism is birth or new birth. Now, there is a marvelous experience to think about, isn't it? The whole idea of freshness and innocence. Uh, We've had a lot of new babies born into this congregation over this past year, and we've got a lot more coming our way. And how wonderful that is, how exciting that is for these young families and for the extended family and for this church family whenever we see that newborn baby and all the thoughts about the life that's ahead for them and how this is just a fresh, new, innocent start and also the joy of the family itself as the family is is rejoicing of the blessings of God and having this new person to be a part of the family. Well, the Bible tells us that no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and of spirit. And in other places, it connects this whole idea of being born again. And we get that picture in our mind that in the waters of baptism, we are made once again innocent like a young child. And if what had been going on in the past in our lives has not been good, has not been healthy, that it can be all starting over again that we have a new life to live. And the family that welcomes that newborn child expresses the joy and the thrill of having this new life among us as well. Another picture 
This is, if you have trouble making that out, it's the tomb uh, or a tomb that represents the tomb of Christ. And baptism is pictured as entering into a tomb, but then emerging from that tomb. Now, certainly if anything in this world is a common experience for all of us, it's dying. You don't live here very long in this world until someone that you know, someone that you love, dies. And also, we don't live here very long until we experience death within ourselves. We lose some hopes, as uh, John was talking about a moment ago, and, and something that we had hoped would happen is not going to happen, and we have great disappointments. And what do we do with that? What do we do with those deaths that slips into our lives? Well, the Bible says that in baptism, we have been buried with him by baptism into death, So that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so too we might walk in newness of life. And so you can see how the picture of baptism, of walking down into that water, and that water represents the death and the tomb of Christ. You're buried with Him, and for that instant, you are actually a person who has died to who you were, but then you rise to who you will be. And the life that you go to live, a life that is empowered by him, a life that is blessed by him. So that's another picture of baptism. Now, we could go on. There's several. I one time listed all of these, and uh, I found about eight or nine that are real obvious, and then a few others that are maybe a little less obvious but very real. But I want us today to talk about one that perhaps is not one we usually put in that photo album. And yet it's one, as I mentioned in the reading, that the early church, as far back as our records go, they made this connection between baptism and creation. What God did at the very beginning of the universe, he now does for us as individuals in baptism. Paul said one time, if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Well, what is that connection? What is that connection between creation and baptism? Well, let's go back and think about the passage out of Genesis that we read. In the beginning, God created. Now, that word created is a word that we use kind of loosely these days. We talk about creating this, someone created that. But the Bible was very careful how they used the word created. The Hebrew word is barah. And that word is used very seldom in Scripture. And every time it's used, guess who the subject is of the verb create? God. Only God can truly create. Because only God can take nothing and make something. We as human beings can take things and remake them into something else. We can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and put it all together and make something that that is new. But we can't take nothing and create something. But God can. And one of the major points of this beautiful poem at the beginning of Genesis is that God is the source of everything that has happened. That whatever is, is, whatever is, is because God started it. God created when there was nothing. God called it into being. 
It goes on to say that the earth was formless and void. That at the beginning of creation, it was basically chaos. And uh, that, that, that we, it's hard for us to get a picture of what exactly that was, but the whole creative process of God was one that involved a time uh, for how long, we don't know, that the world and the universe just existed basically in chaos. But in that chaos and to that chaos, the Spirit of God was drawn, and the Spirit of God hovered over the waters. And there, as the Spirit of God hovered over the waters, God spoke. And when God spoke, something happened, and everything began to be put together, put in order, and made into this marvelous universe and into this wonderful earth, and even our own lives exist because God spoke. Now, that's the story of creation. Why did the church then take this other story and put it side by side with it. Well, I think if we look at it, we can see. The other story goes like this. One day Jesus came from Nazareth and was baptized by John in the water, in the Jordan River. And there, once again, just like at the beginning of time, it was all just water. Now we have returned once again to that initial stage and there is water. And to that water, the Spirit of God is drawn. Coming up out of the water, Jesus saw the heaven open and the Spirit descending upon him. And the Spirit of God initially at creation was drawn to the chaos and to the formless void, and it was drawn there and hovered over there. And then Jesus, as he went down into the water, the Spirit of God once again was drawn from heaven to be there and to be with him. And then God spoke, just like in creation. Once again, something significant is happening here, something that is changing everything, and God speaks. And what does he say this time? Initially, he said, let there be light. He said, you are my son, whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. So put those together. And why does the church call upon us when we think of baptism to also think of creation? Because in both events, God is at work. In both events, God is creating. In both events, God is making something that has become nothing into something again. In both events, God is the active energy that comes to bear And so many times when those of us who have been baptized went down into that water, perhaps our lives were formless and void. And yet we know just like that the Spirit was drawn to the waters of creation, the Spirit through the promise of God is drawn to the waters of baptism. And the Spirit brings its power there to put things back together and to put things right and to give order out of chaos, purpose out of hopelessness. And then, certainly, the greatest blessing probably, just as over the waters of creation, now over the waters of baptism, God speaks. With with eyes of faith, we see the Spirit descend. With the ears of faith, we hear what He has to say. And the person who is giving their life to Christ 
and has walked down in those waters. As they come up, he says, now you are my child, and I love you, and I am proud of you. With you, I am pleased. God is in the business of creating. He gave us our lives, and as we have got those lives soiled, as those lives at times become formless and void, God is in the business of recreating. And in both processes, it is Him at work. In both processes, His Spirit comes to bear. And in both processes, He speaks to you. You are my child. I love you. In you, I am well pleased. I wanted to share one more passage with you. This comes from David. David is a man that most of us can relate to well because David had great aspirations and uh, yet he had great faults as well. And he often found himself at the very depths and needing once again to be put back together and to be recreated. Now, David did not use the word create very often. In fact, maybe only twice that we have preserved does he use the word create because he knew how special it was. And yet there was a time in his life when he knew that he could only continue through the power of God's creation, through the power of God recreating in him what needed to be. And in uh, Psalm 51, we have the record when he cried out this, Create in me, O God, a clean heart, and put within me a new and right spirit. This is the plea that we have whenever we encounter the waters of baptism. This is the plea that we need. We need God to recreate. We need God to wash and make clean. We need God to give us a fresh start. We need God to put his spirit in us. Some in this room perhaps have yet to experience the waters of baptism. It's an archaic thing to do going all the way back to creation but in it God has promised to meet us there others of you have pulled up into your mind today the pictures of your own baptism and I pray that in calling that picture up again and looking at it again you see again what God did for you and once again you experience the cleanness and the wholeness and the purpose, and hold on to the Spirit of God as He walks with us through our lives. We're going to stand, we're going to sing a song, and if any have any response at all, whether it is to be baptized, or to reclaim that baptism, or anything else that our leaders of this church can assist you with, they'll be on the perimeters of this room. Let's stand and sing together. <laughs>